Let's face it, money matters can be confusing. And with something as important as having enough for retirement, it's comforting to know help is just a phone call away. Wealth Managers LLC has helped clients pursue their financial goals since 1984. When it comes to investment advice, experience matters. If you need financial guidance, the folks at Wealth Managers LLC can help. The number is 800-497-9995. Once again, that's 800-497-9995 or wealthmanagersllc.com. After all, money doesn't take care of itself. Securities and advisory services offered through registered representatives of Satira Advisor Network, LLC. Member FINRA and SIPC. Wealth Managers, LLC is independent of Satira Advisor Networks, LLC. The following show, How to Be a Great Investor with your host, Richard Everett, is underwritten by Wealth Managers, LLC. Welcome to How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. Richard started his career in the financial services industry back in 1984. He's the founder and past president of the Everett Financial Group. Richard was also a member of the International Association of Financial Planners and was named Financial Planner of the Year in 1996 by First Financial Planners. In addition to teaching hundreds of seminars, he's hosted his own radio and television shows and has authored several books on finance, including Whatever Happened to the Promised Land. Richard has taught his biblically-based financial principles in churches, conferences, Bible colleges, and universities, including Yale University's School of Management Believers in Business Conference. And now, How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. Welcome. I'm Richard Everett, your host of How to Be a Great Investor. My goal is to help teach you the art of investing through biblical wisdom and contemporary investment insight. And I've got some great news for you folks. I'm retired. I don't have any products to sell or agenda to push. Just common sense principles I've learned over my 35-year career in finance. No hype, just facts. Today's show is called Ramsey versus Reality. I'm sure most of our listeners know who Dave Ramsey is, and this is not a personal attack on Dave. It is a critique, though, on his investment advice. I've been teaching an investment course at my church for years now. A comment I often get from my students is, Dave Ramsey only takes us so far. He has helped us get out of debt and get our financial house in order, but we don't know where to go from there. They want to go beyond Ramsey's advice of buying a quote-unquote good mutual fund, whatever that means. I've occasionally listened to Dave's radio show. I've read all of his books, and I've even taught his Financial Peace University course. I would have to agree with my students. Dave Ramsey is a great personal money management expert. He is not, however, in any way, shape, or form a qualified investment professional. To be absolutely clear, Dave Ramsey is not licensed or trained to give investment advice. Well, Dave's investment philosophy, which he shares on his website, is seriously flawed and represents nothing more than his opinion. Take Jim Cramer, for example, the host of Mad Money on CNBC. He told his viewers not to sell shares in Bear Stearns back in the Great Recession we had in 2007, 8, and 9. Three days after Cramer gave his advice, the stock fell from $159 a share to $2. Remember, folks, when you're listening listening to quote-unquote experts, you're listening to their opinions. And the problem is that the viewer has to pay the consequence 
and not Jim Cramer in this particular um, situation. So I don't know about you, but I am much more interested in facts than opinions when it comes to investing. And I do believe that most of Dave Ramsey's quote-unquote philosophy that he shares on his website is nothing more than his opinion. So let me share some of his expressed opinions from his website. On DaveRamsey.com, it says, quote, I always encourage people to choose a good growth stock mutual fund, unquote. I'm fascinated by that statement. I mean, how does one define a good growth stock mutual fund? Is it the top performer for the last year, three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years? If you do a search, you won't find the same mutual fund as a top performer in all of these different time periods. In other words, you won't necessarily find the top rated mutual fund for three years highly ranked in a list of top performing mutual funds for 10 or 20 years. So what time frame do you use? Ramsey doesn't say. And I would suggest to you that guessing is not a good sound investment strategy. I'll share a story with you. A number of years ago, we had a young, bright, um, Yale graduate working for us in our firm. And he came into my office one day with the uh, newspaper and he said, did you see what the top performing mutual fund was last quarter? And I said, yeah. And he goes, it's the Russia fund. I mean, why aren't we putting our clients money into the Russia fund? Now, well, I said, you know, that's a good question. Why don't you hold on to that newspaper and come back and see me next quarter? Because in all likelihood, you'll see it in the bottom quartile uh, as one of the worst performing mutual funds. And Sure enough, three months later, he walked into my office with the same newspaper and he said, how did you know that was going to happen? And the point is that you cannot possibly predict or pick a mutual fund that is going to be in a top performer this year, three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, and 20 years from now. It's not going to happen. Mutual funds will have bad quarters and they're going to have bad years. Here's another interesting statistic from Davis Advisors. It says, and I quote, 95% of the top performing managers from 2004 through 2013 fell in the bottom half of their peer group for at least one three-year period, unquote. And I hope you get the point. Most top performing mutual funds end up underperforming sooner or later. Another example is uh, Bill Miller. Bill Miller was very famous on Wall Street. He actually outperformed the market or the S&P 500 15 straight years. The only mutual fund manager that I'm aware of that has ever done that. I mean, it's just amazing. The problem is in 2007 and 2009, he made some very bad investment choices and the entire 15-year gain was wiped out in just two years. So I'm guessing that's not the kind of good growth mutual fund you want to own. Certainly not me. Even Morningstar, who rates all the mutual funds, top rated equity funds or stock funds have lagged the market by a wide margin at some point in time. So I'm still scratching my head on exactly what Dave Ramsey means by good. It's almost impossible to define. Perhaps I should contact a financial astrologer. So how about a reality check? Index funds or funds that track a particular index like the S&P 500 have outperformed 90% of all actively managed stock mutual funds over any period of time you want to track. They being index funds have substantially lower fees they have lower turnover, which means they do less buying and selling, therefore creating less taxes. And you can buy an index fund that has no front-end sales charge, unlike uh, Dave's recommendation of buying a mutual fund that will 
charge you 4 or 5% on the front end. In other words, if you put $10,000 into a Dave Ramsey recommended fund, they're going to take four or $500 right off the top. Um, so my question would be, why pay for an upfront commission when you can buy a no-load fund, which has no sales charges, and save yourself some serious money? So I don't know. Again, I'm scratching my head. Help me out here. How is paying a 5% sales charge better than paying no sales charge? Well, maybe it has something to do with our radio stars aligning himself with brokers who earn commissions selling mutual funds with front-end sales charges. Believe it or not, Brokers have to pay Dave Ramsey $549 per month to become a quote-unquote endorsed local provider. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute because in my mind, that is an outrageous conflict of interest. Well, let's go back to Dave's website. He says, quote, I recommend growth, growth at income, aggressive growth, and international funds. Again, from DaveRamsey.com. So, Let me ask you a question. Does putting 100% of your investable assets into the stock market or via stock mutual funds make any sense to you? It doesn't to me, but that's Dave's blanket recommendation to everyone who visits his website. Whether or not you're an aggressive or conservative investor, age 30 or 70, retired or 40 years away from retirement, everybody gets the same advice, and that's not sound advice in any way, shape, or form. How anyone can recommend putting a 100% of your money into stocks regardless of your goals, your risk tolerance, your time horizon is beyond my comprehension. In fact, it's malpractice. Consider the following. In the 1987 stock market crash, the S&P 500 was down about 33.5%. In the aftermath of the events of 9-11, the market was down 36.8%. And after the 2007 through 2009 Great Recession, believe it or not, the market was down 57.6%. If you had followed Ramsey's advice, you would have gotten creamed in those bear markets. Who do you know who would be okay with losing half their money? Anyone in their right mind should avoid putting all of their money in the stock market. And let's do some quick math here. If you went with Ramsey's recommendations, put 100% of your money in the stock market, you would have lost over 50% of your portfolio value in 2007 through 2009. Now, I want you to think about this. If you lost over 50% of your money, you have to make 100% gain to break even. The simple math is if you had invested 100000 and you lost half or 50000 you only have 50000 less, which means you have to make 100% on your $50,000 value in order just to break even. So my question is, how long is that going to take? Three years, five years, 10 years? I'm God only knows the answer to that question. Stay tuned for more great information on how to be a great investor with Richard Everett. If you would like to learn more investment tips and techniques for Christians, the website is greatinvestor.org. You can also sign up for Richard's blog, check out his books, CDs, and listen to his podcast. Once again, that's greatinvestor.org. You can also ask Richard your investment questions by emailing him at info at greatinvestor.org. That's info at greatinvestor.org. Okay, let's get back to Richard Everett as he shares more investment wisdom on how to be a great investor. Dave also states in his book, Total Money Makeover, and I quote, your financial process and principles must work in good times and in bad times. 
otherwise they don't work, unquote. Well, if what Mr. Ramsey states is true, then his own investment advice is lacking. I wouldn't call losing half of my money a successful strategy, would you? Dave's advice on splitting your investment dollars among four stock funds is not biblical either. Solomon said... Divide your portion to seven, even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. Now, I would much rather take the ancient wisdom of Solomon over Dave Ramsey any day. In my mind, Dave's advice defies common sense, and it also goes against what my grandmother taught me, and that's not putting all of my eggs in one basket. If you take Ramsey's advice, that's exactly what you're doing, putting 100% of your hard-earned money into the stock market. Listen to this, folks. I went to the mutual fund company's website most people think Ramsey refers to when he cites long-term track records on his show. I looked at one of their growth funds, and I looked at one of their growth and income funds, and this is what I found. Both of those mutual funds owned 22 of the same stocks. Think about that for a second. In other words, if you had invested in each of those two funds, you would have owned a lot of the same stocks in both portfolios. That's not diversification. That's duplication. And that's counterproductive when you're trying to put a sound portfolio together. Fees, charges, commissions, and lack of diversification can destroy your nest egg. I would suggest to you, why not invest in an index fund that charges only point? 0.09% per year, and by doing so, you would save about 3%. Since the average mutual fund charges anywhere from three and a quarter to three and a half percent. If you were to invest in an index fund with low fees, that would give you about a extra $100,000 in a $100,000 portfolio invested over 25 years simply by saving 3% per year on fees. So Dave Ramsey's advice is very costly and not very well thought out. And now the last straw, and I quote from Dave Ramsey's website, Dave does not recommend exchange-traded funds or ETFs. He does not recommend single stocks, certificate of deposits, bonds, fixed annuities, variable annuities, real estate investment trusts or REITs, cash value or whole life insurance, unquote. Again, from DaveRamsey.com. I would agree with Dave Ramsey on the last item. For the most part, life insurance is a terrible place to put your investment dollars. In most policies, the insurance company keeps the cash value or savings investment portion when the insured passes away. Anyone who thinks that's a good deal needs to have their head examined. I also agree with Dave on CDs. They are indeed savings vehicles, not investments. And CDs are ideal for short-term safe dollars and for an emergency fund. On the other hand, if I agreed with Dave on the rest of what he does not recommend, then we would both be wrong. Let's briefly examine the asset classes Dave does not recommend. First, exchange-traded funds or ETFs. ETFs, for the most part, track indexes like the S&P 500. And since the S&P 500 has outperformed about 90% of all actively managed mutual funds, and since ETFs do not have front-end sales charges, and since internal fees on ETFs versus mutual funds are minuscule, with lower turnover and therefore less taxes, Ramsey's prohibition on ETFs make no sense at all. For whatever reason, single stocks are also forbidden in Ramsey world. Hmm. Well, 
What about Berkshire Hathaway? Berkshire Hathaway is a single stock run by Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. These two guys are perhaps the greatest investors of all times. They manage assets of around $700 billion. Buffett and Munger have a 20% average annual return since 1965 versus 9.9% for the S&P 500. So I challenge Dave to find a mutual fund with a better track record. There aren't any. There aren't any mutual funds that come even close to the track record of Warren Buffett. I can think of numerous other individual stocks besides Berkshire Hathaway that would make suitable investments for a lot of folks seeking growth and or income. And just when you thought his judgment couldn't get any worse, he surprises us. Next on Ramsey's forbidden list is bonds. I took the time to listen to Dave's explanation on why he doesn't recommend bonds on YouTube. So he said they, meaning bonds, don't perform as well as stocks over time. Well, folks, that's neither true, factual, or correct. Here's a reality check. According to Jason Zweig, writer of the Intelligent Investor column in the Wall Street Journal, as recently as 2011, bonds had earned higher returns than stocks over the prior 30-year period. According to ABC News, from 2002 to 2012, bonds outperformed stocks by 5%. Avoiding the facts does not change them, Mr. Ramsey. You cannot ignore the truth for the sake of convenience. Sometimes bonds do outperform stocks, period. I'm not sure what fantasy land Dave lives in, but here's food for thought. I don't like broccoli, and that doesn't mean you shouldn't eat it if you like it and it's good for you. Just because Mr. Ramsey doesn't like bonds doesn't mean they are not suitable for a lot of folks. Take 2002, for example. Bonds were up 10.26% for the year, while the stock market was down 22.1%. That's a 32% difference. In 2008, bonds were up 5.24%. While the stock market was down 37%. That's a 42% difference. Bonds look pretty attractive when the stock market is getting pummeled, don't you think? And what about the steady, reliable income stream bonds offer? I'd rather rely on my bond income when the market is down than being forced to sell shares of my, quote, good growth mutual funds at a substantial discount by supplementing my income. We'll be back with more How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. If you would like to learn more investment tips and techniques for Christians, the website is greatinvestor.org. You can also sign up for Richard's blog, check out his books, CDs, and listen to his podcast. Once again, that's greatinvestor.org. You can also ask Richard your investment questions by emailing him at info at greatinvestor.org. That's info at greatinvestor.org. Okay, let's get back to Richard Everett as he shares more investment wisdom on how to be a great investor. The next asset class not allowed in Ramsey land is fixed annuities. Dave says fixed annuities are, quote, designed to deliver a guaranteed income for a certain number of years in retirement, unquote. I don't know about you, but that sounds good to me. I'm a retiree living off my investment and annuity income, and I don't see anything wrong with a guaranteed lifetime income stream. Actually comes in pretty handy when I need to pay the bills. I love the next line from DaveRamsey.com. Dave doesn't recommend annuities because they are often expensive and 
charge penalties if you need to access your funds during a defined surrender period, unquote. Okay, I agree with Dave, but why not buy a no-load fund with no surrender charges, which are available through lots of companies? So I think I've solved the problem. He goes on to say that variable annuities are next on his no-no list. DaveRamsey.com says VAs or variable annuities are insurance products that can provide a guaranteed income stream and death benefit, unquote. So if you don't need either one of those benefits, then simply don't buy a variable annuity. On the flip side, however, many retirees find these benefits attractive. Dave goes on to say fees can be expensive and VAs also carry surrender charges. Yes, indeed they do. VAs can be expensive. Not all are, though. But so are mutual funds. Why buy a costly variable annuity when you can buy a no-load, which has no sales charges involved and has no surrender charge? I think I've already solved that problem. All right, let's talk about real estate investment trusts. Again, from Dave's website, he says, quote unquote, they are similar to mutual funds. So apparently it's okay to own a mutual fund, but it's not okay to own a real estate investment trust, even though they are similar to mutual funds. I'm not quite sure that makes sense. And I've been scratching my head on that statement for a while. Here's the best part. Dave says, quote, Dave prefers to invest in paid for real estate bought with cash and does not own any REITs, unquote. And I'm really happy for Dave. He has a net worth of $60 million, so he can pretty much afford to pay cash for his real estate investments or anything else for that matter. What about the rest of us homo sapiens who don't have millions laying around? For the average investor like you and I, REITs can make a whole lot of sense. With a single small investment like $1,000 or $5,000 or even $10,000, you can buy a portion of dozens of different properties in various geographical locations and industries throughout the entire United States. Oh, one minor detail. Ramsey seems to have overlooked equity REITs have historically outperformed direct real estate investing, not to mention providing a diversified pool of liquid real estate assets that pay a quarterly dividend and the potential for price appreciation. Even better, REITs or real estate investment trusts are passive investments. You don't have to go out and fix the toilet when it breaks. Someone else does. I'm sitting here pondering Dave's logic. It's okay to buy stock mutual funds, but it's not okay to buy REITs, which can be bought as a stock mutual fund. So is it permissible or prohibited to buy a stock mutual fund that owns nothing but real estate? Well, while you ponder the question, let me point out that REITs are one of the top performing asset classes with double-digit average annual return for the past 40 years. Why wouldn't you want a top performing asset class in your portfolio? Why no REITs, Mr. Ramsey? Based on the facts, I'm stumped. Here's the bottom line. In my not-so-humble professional opinion, Dave Ramsey provides less-than-excellent investment advice, period. Follow it at your own peril. Prescribing without proper diagnosis is malpractice. Anyone who advocates that the entire American population put 100% of their investable assets in the stock market lacks common sense. Finally, Dave completely ignores investor behavior. I've been in the financial industry for 35 years, and individual investors sometimes do not behave properly. They have the tendency, or most folks have the tendency, 
to overreact on both the positive and the negative developments in the stock market. Investors are rarely objective and rational, especially if the stock market is getting trashed. So many folks sell at precisely the wrong time and lock in permanent losses. Oh, I could go on and on, but I'll spare you. My recommendation to you is to follow Dave's financial advice and completely ignore his investment philosophy. He is, by his own admission, not an investment professional. And you will never become a great investor by listening to Dave Ramsey. And here's my final piece of advice. There are certain things I won't do in life. For instance, I will not skydive. I will not swim with sharks. I will not climb Mount Everest, and I will not take Dave Ramsey's investment advice. I'm not that stupid. Thanks for listening, folks. I appreciate uh, you putting up with me for the last half hour. If you would like to learn more about how you can become a great investor, go to our website, greatinvestor.org. That's greatinvestor.org. And once you get there, sign up for our financial newsletter. Email me your questions. I'd be more than happy to get back to you. There's free downloads on there, how to get your financial house in order. There are several podcasts that you can listen to. You can be part of our blog. And my latest book, How to Be a Great Investor, is available on the website as well. Thanks for listening. May God bless you and God bless America, which reminds me of a story. When I was a single guy living at home with my father and working in the family business, I found out I was going to inherit a fortune when my sick father died. I decided I needed a wife whom I could share my fortune with. So one evening at an investment club meeting, I spotted the most beautiful woman I had ever seen. Her natural beauty took my breath away. I said to her, I may look like an ordinary man, but in just a few months, my father will die and I will inherit $200 million. Impressed, she took my business card and three weeks later, she became my stepmother. Okay, there's the drum roll. And folks, I always like to close the show with an example from the Bible on how our God is in the multiplication business. Today's story is from 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephan in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephan when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain to the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So folks, here's the point. If God can multiply flour and oil, he can multiply what you have. This has been How to Be a Great Investor with Richard Everett. Harriet, where's today's mail? On the kitchen table, Ozzy. Anything good? No, just bills and bank statements. Great. 
Just what I wanted to do today. Reconcile the checkbook. When I saw the rates we were earning on our savings and CDs, I almost fell over. Can't we do better? I suppose so, Harriet. But who's got the time and energy to look around? Listen, Ozzy. Money doesn't take care of itself. Why don't we call the professionals at Wealth Managers, LLC? Sounds like a plan. It is important to get good advice. Great. Here's their number. 800-497-9995. Securities and advisory services offered through registered representatives of Satir Advisor Networks, LLC. Member FINRA and SIPC. Wealth Managers, LLC is independent of Satir Advisor Networks, LLC. And can be reached at 800-497-9995 or wealthmanagersllc.com.